0: Its Catholic identity builds upon Thomas Aquinas and the magisterium of the Catholic Church and engaging with God in the wilderness. Find out more at wyomingcatholic.edu. We have with us today David Barnheiser. He is a professor of law emeritus at Cleveland State University. He was a senior research fellow at the University of London's Institute of Advanced Legal Studies. He's worked with uh, international organizations, including the World Wildlife Fund, And the the World Bank, the UN Development Program. Uh, But he has a book that came out, I saw it uh, uh, not too long ago. It's called The Artificial Intelligence Contagion. Can democracy withstand the imminent transformation of work, wealth, and the social order? Uh, It looked like a a topic that we should cover. Welcome, David. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mark. Okay. Well, the book is co-written with your son, uh, I should say Daniel Barnheiser and the uh, you know for our audience here the artificial intelligence issue may be a pretty new one so we'll we'll get to some basic questions and simply let you educate us as we go. Uh, first of all, in the title you label artificial intelligence a contagion uh, why so? Well,
1: I hate to do so I hated to do so the the publisher actually recommended that we were we went back and forth and you've been in this situation I'm sure on the final title but as soon as she said it it made total sense if you if you look and see the degree to which artificial intelligence penetrates and interpenetrates everything we're doing now and we're we're so unaware of it we have been that way and but one of the effects that it has had is Actually, you captured some of it in 2008 in your Dumbest Generation book, which I cite in Contagion. Uh, when, you t- when you talk about the effects on our intelligence and our, our children's intelligence and what happens to them, and that, that is an example of just how we are doing this thing, a massive experiment on, on humans, and we're not even thinking about it. So what you have now, you have Twitter, you have hate being spewed all over the the internet using the applications that they've developed, um, invasions of privacy that are that are so deep, constant, and penetrating that we take them for granted now. We we sort of, as Jim Comey, not my favorite guy, but Jim Comey, when he was FBI director giving testimony, said and testified that anybody who expects that there's a, a sphere of privacy protecting them in their life is deluding themselves so we have we have the contagion of government intervention and spying and surveillance, um, Soviets or not Soviets anymore, but Russians uh, interfering in our elections, and then you have the just the hatred that is going back and forth and the false statements and and the attacks on people. I'm writing a book right now relating to the cancel culture aspect of what is going on, uh, where you go back and you find anything anybody's ever said or you focus on a word or a term, and then you try to destroy their life if it's not what you what you like. It's it's a modern version of the KKK or lynch mobs that, that's being organized, and it's allowed to be organized and capable of being organized because of the immense power that the Internet applications um, and capabilities give people. I mean, so, I mean, I could go on, <laughs> as I said, I'm writing a book on it, but that's, I think that gives the idea of what what I mean when I say contagion.
0: What what you just said makes me think that I see people behaving online that they would never behave in that in the same way if it weren't online. For example, the things they say about one another that they would never say in the presence of that person, and and so in in that sense, yeah, it's a contagion. It changes people's behavior. People often. Would say in response to that "Dumbest Generation" book, when I when I said social media is bad for kids, uh, people would in the audience would respond by saying, "Look, it's just a tool. It all depends upon how we use it. You know, people can use it for good or for bad." And I would respond, "Do you really think the tool is that?" neutral? Do you really think that it doesn't influence behavior? And then I would, you know, nothing to quote Thoreau, when, you know, saying in Walden, men become the tools of their tools. Uh, and so I think this was a, an extraordinary, naive conception of of, of artificial intelligence. But, but But the contagion metaphor says it kind of creeps in without us fully recognizing all the implications of what
1: it's doing. Oh, it is. And the funny thing is, two of the most important figures in the development, Uh, Tim Berners-Lee, who designed the the algorithms 20, 30 years ago now that allowed the Internet, because the Internet is a technology, communications technology, but it needed to be brought to the the usability usability for for ordinary people. And Berners-Lee did that. And another man 10 years way before him in the late 60s, early 70s, Kleinrock, uh, he he worked hard with his teams on the on the creation of the technology. So, but both of them have recently come out and set up foundations, saying we did not ever anticipate. I mean, it was incredibly naive, but we did not ever anticipate that this would develop in such a dark way as it has and had so much an impact. They just wanted. Remember, think about what what intelligent people think about when they think about the ability to communicate widely, deeply, broadly, uh, uh, obtain information, they're thinking that the humans we're doing that are fundamentally good, they're in control, they're they're disciplined, they want to learn, they want to develop, they want to become the best they can, can be, and they share that and grow through that. That's the idea of democracy. Uh, that is the idea of, of what democracy allows you to do. But the internet and and Kleinrock and and uh, Berners Lee have now come out and said, oh, basically, not basically. Oh my God, what have we done? It's like Oppenheimer when he says, looks at the test of the of the atom bomb and says, I have become deaf. And you know, you look at that and you say, oh, What is going on here? So they're trying to come up with ethical codes for the for for the use of the internet, but it's too late for that.
0: I, I I think it is. I think it's too late. It's it, it can't be controlled. And
1: no, it can't. It's out of control. It's out of control uh, for because what it has allowed is in in the worst Freudian sense. I mean, it's allowed the darkest part through anonymity. Anonymity is part of the problem, but it has allowed the darkest part of humans to come out. That I think we that our face to face interactions, as you hinted a moment ago, uh, are face to face interactions. Uh, are things that that muted or controlled or guided or shaped how we communicated and dealt with each other in, a, in, a, in an important way, and once you take that away it 's been written on the trolls and everything that there is what has been called a disinhibition disinhibition effect, and so it has cut people off from accountability for their behavior so as you indicate uh, that then they can say and do anything in the most vicious, nasty, malicious petty. Uh, whatever you want to call it uh, you know it's that's the contagion and it's out of control
0: yeah i think the people you know the wired magazine people who were so enthused about the internet and about social media in the in the early years failed to take into account the the darker motivations of human beings original sin if you want to put it that way and that they don't recognize that when Someone cancels someone else when someone can find something from ten years ago, say when they went back in Tucker Carlson's you know tweets ten or, or an interview from ten years earlier found a statement that he made. I think they underestimate the intoxicating joy that the cancel surveillance people experienced. Oh it it's, it feels it, it feels very, very good, and they want that joy. To happen again, uh, you know they, they, they get hooked on the the, the canceling, and it is it, it's great power. And the, the they couldn't do it without the artificial intelligence tools, without the surveillance. That's your that's your point. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, one thing that you go into a lot early in the book is actually getting getting into the area of the labor market and the ways in which robots uh, replacing people, and that this is speeding up. One of the things you say is that as the process of automation continues, money will be transferred from labor to capital. What do you mean by that?
1: What I mean by that is, take for example, Tyson Foods just uh, announced and is in fact using robotic butchers uh, and to replace a significant amount of their, uh, of their human, human butchers. Not all, not all of them yet, and there may be supervising human butchers or, and the like. But say, if if they employ a thousand butchers and they replace 800 of them, and they're still selling the same amount of product into the market at the same price, they no longer have to pay 800. They have the capital costs of acquiring and and ma- maintaining and monitoring the the robotic butchers, but uh, they no longer have to pay uh, 800. Uh, of of their former work staff. And so they still retain, they get that and they get the same amount of money back. But what do they do with the money? It doesn't go to humans. It doesn't go to government as, as currently structured in the tax system, which is dependent on, on taxing human labor. So what happens is all of a sudden, 80%, let's say just crudely, let's say 80% of their revenue stream no longer gets diverted to uh, to human workers in, you know, social security taxes and retirement taxes and pension plans and so forth, or vacation or perks or anything like that. Yeah, they, welfare the like. They don't have to do that anymore. Unemployment insurance. now now So 80% of their revenue gets redirected to the investors or the investors in capital. You know, you could say they could do anything, do anything they want with it. And government, you know, they said the end of the book, if you look at that, which we don't have time to go to. And I'd have to look in detail, but it's filled with approaches or strategies of of how you have to protect the system uh, to to try to recapture some of that that revenue that will otherwise go and enrich the capital investors. And I'm not against capital investors, but enrich the capital investors um, with with an additional windfall that is generated by the fact that they shifted from human workers that are very costly and. And very unreliable in a lot of areas also, and to robotic workers that they um, that they, they pay the capital acquisition costs and maintenance, but they don't have to pay all the other costs associated with um with with the workforce and that's happening all over the place
0: so so the next question is i mean what, yeah one, another place you you talk about driverless vehicles uh actually where where are we on driverless vehicles today
1: Elon musk just just came out and said he's 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 about to have the absolutely totally econ- autonomous car at, in Tesla. Uh, Ohio just uh, dedicated is uh, they're creating a strip uh, along the turnpike now that is that is going to be designed specifically for fully autonomous semi trucks. But that's just a little bit. I mean it's all over the place where they're doing that. I mean they're they're and it's advancing cabs and uh, taxis Uber has put a lot of money into, they're having economic problems anyway, but not because of this. They put a lot of money into autonomous cars. Uh, there are uh, buses that are coming. They're even talking about planes. I mean, w- what I'm saying is the project projection just for the U.S., if it went fully autonomous in terms of of areas of, of activity that is compensated, uh, such as cabs, trucks, bus drivers, and things like that, uh, and Uber drivers, uh, that that you're talking about loss of over four million jobs.
0: Okay. Next question: What's going to happen to those four million people?
1: Well, exactly. It's going to be a lot more than four million people. That's just in the car.
0: In the yeah. Uh, what about the truck drivers? Where are all the Teamsters going to go?
1: Well, good question. I, one one of the things I cite in in the book also, and I've communicated with the guy, and we've exchanged signed copies of the book is a book by Finn Murphy called The Long Haul, a trucker's tales of life on the roads, New York times bestseller that he published uh, four or five years ago. It's fascinating because he talks about that. He says, this is people don't pay attention, but this is what's happening to truckers. They are shifting to this. They're shifting to all kinds of ways of saving money that reduces and eliminates a number of, of the drivers. And with the, with the autonomous vehicles it's going to be far worse uh, and he said, you know, the truckers are a unique group. There, there are a whole lot of them, and they don't know what to do. A lot of them have investments of their own, and they they own their own rigs. But if, but if they don't, if it's not an automated rig and it's not state of the art, they they won't have anything anymore either. And so, Finn Murphy and I recommend the book. Uh, it's called The Long Haul a Truckers: Tales of Life on the Road. It's a fascinating. Easy to read book on on uh, what is happening uh, to the trucking industry with with robotics and uh, uh, autonomous stuff.
0: The the idea that this is a form of creative destruction. You actually mentioned this in the book, creative destruction, and that the economy will shift, workers will retool, they'll find other areas, humans will adapt. You you don't see that this this is different. This time, this is different.
1: This is this is this is totally different. And everybody likes to to try to cover and rationalize and make themselves feel good by by saying that, uh, not what I said, but by saying it is a what we call Schumpeterian uh, kind of process where it will uh, be okay in the end, well, even if that is true. I you know I would quote and I did in the book I think uh, Jack Ma, who is uh, head of Alibaba in a major information robotics AI company in China, huge, huge, just sold a, a small portion of the stock and got $7.1 billion I saw yesterday on it. So, and, and he is incredibly wealthy and very good in these issues. And he said, look, let's be realistic. This is, this is happening. It's going to happen. And, uh, you know, even if it is a uh, you know creative destruction situation, the destruction comes first and it's going to last 40 or 50 years uh, before if it has any hope of clearing up, like everybody likes to say, say, you know, creative destruction It works out right in the end. Well, you know, there's a really good chance we won't get to the end on it, you know, that it, it will keep going down. You know, there are two options. You, can, you know, I like to say, uh, are things going to get uh, worse before they get better or are things going to get worse before they get worse? And for a lot of people, and of course, you know, some people are going to be incredibly well-off. I just said Jack Ma just cashed in $7.1 billion. Some people are going to be incredibly well-off, but it's a thin tier of people who are. And a lot of other people, including the disappearing middle classes in the U.S. and, and in Europe, um, they are going to be um, in incredibly bad shape.
0: Well, do, do, the, do these elites... And and it is a pretty small number of people. the The concentration of wealth in Silicon Valley, say, is is like nothing we've ever seen. Not even in the old robber baron days. Uh, and the do they anticipate profound social unrest?
1: Yes, a lot of them. One of uh, whether it was Amazon or one of the others. Uh, one of their chief guys about two or three years ago quit quit his job and move to a remote area with his family because he said there's going to be, in his mind, he's not a nutcase, in his mind, it's going to end up in a revolution and and uh, that it's going to be very violent. You see what, you know, I could equate it to what goes on in some of the cities right now just as a little thing on the COVID-19 shutdowns and, and George, George Floyd and how, how we are reacting about that and it's not a happy scene. But forgetting that for the moment, you, you go there are a lot, New Zealand, just uh, because there was a rush of outside New Zealand, ultra rich people from Silicon Valley and, and other kinds of areas like that, that were buying estates and building estates in New Zealand. It's a big, uh, big thing on, on retrofitting uh, underground uh, nuclear, nuclear bomb shelters and silos in the U.S., in the u s uh, out in the upper Midwest, you know far Idaho and North and South Dakota, that kind of thing um, they, they are they are stocking up for a lot of those people are stocking up for a very serious uh, future and you know the funny thing is is as this happens, all these people say it's going to get better in the end. You note that the income of the average person in the u s and Europe and so on is is going to be declining. And there are going to be fewer people who have who have jobs, and a lot of people who who demand to be subsidized, just like we're seeing now with the stimulus package, things that we that we can't afford to do anyway, but we have to do. It's just going to get worse and worse in that situation, and so you look at that and uh, and try to figure out how do we recover. That in itself, to the extent that the that the they're thinking that being able to Produce the products that go back to the capital shift of revenues from workers to to uh, investors. Uh, if at some point after five or six or seven years of that, the the consumer in a society based on consumer purchases, goods production, and so forth, the consumer is not going to have the same capability to to buy the products. So it's it's a, sort of a a process that is going to to hurt itself ultimately. There'll be a, a big rush of of cheap stuff at the beginning, and they'll get and they products that people will will um, will appreciate being able to buy. But then their own purchasing power will eat at the profits of the uh, and hurt the entire system, eat at the profits of the uh, capital investors ultimately anyway. So they they're, they would be committing. Uh, a kind of suicide by going fully to to a i robotic systems for production too you
0: you call google amazon apple facebook twitter quasi governments that's your term for them. What do you mean by that
1: What I mean by that is um, they are so their 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 incomes they're are are larger than the GNP's, uh, GDPs. Take your take your pick which which acronym you want, but they're they're larger than the GDPs or GNP's of virtually every country in the world, each company, and you look at those and they're. But even beyond their their wealth and what they have, it's the degree to which they control and penetrate human communications. They are, you know, even though there are five or six or seven of them, I'd 10 cents in China and and Alibaba to that too, and uh, but. But their power is is beyond anything over communication, politics, uh, revenue streams, uh, w- almost anything. Privacy, surveillance, and there, there are all kinds of interactions between those companies and, and the U.S. government and the Chinese government for that way for the, for that matter. There are all kinds of relationships being developed for sharing or storing or caching or using or manipulating uh, information or ratting out people. Particularly in China, ratting out people that uh, have said the wrong thing and has has to be, have to be disciplined in some way for that. They they are so immense you can no longer treat them as uh, ordinary companies, and the system has not even you know we go back a hundred and some years when they broke up Standard Oil and then AT and T after that and so on. Even that is those are too large, but those companies are so historically atypical i suppose the 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 closest parallel might be the oil industry and all the the networks and interconnections on that or the you know the, the british tea company east, east indian tea company uh which controlled you know a massive part and nobody would deny that the that the tea company the british tea company uh was was not really a critical arm of the british government
0: it, it, well, it, let me ask about: it, Is there any hope of breaking up the the big tech companies? As you know, Elizabeth Warren and a few others have have floated the idea.
1: Yeah, uh, there's hope, but uh, with with this Congress right now, uh, with and by that I am not going Democrat, Republican, or, or the like. Uh, what i'm saying that is just like with the oil industry the they have bought they have bought so much influence within the uh, the us congress and you know do the same thing in europe on, on other things uh they 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 have so much power and influence and leverage and, and the ability to control the votes theoretically is there a chance they could be broken up sure Realistically, is there a likelihood that it's going to happen in in anything other than what is basically a cosmetic way? I mean, they might pass something that that looks before you really understand it that that it is something that will influence or reduce the their influence, but realistically, it's not going to happen. I just don't see it.
0: What is the ultimate ambition of these? tech giants it, it it can't be money at this point they they have more money than they, they can even imagine having what, what are the, what, what are they what are they really motivated by at this point
1: some uh well if you're talking specifically about the u s uh they're motivated by power- poli- and politics it's it's a game it's a game to them it's it's and a lot of the people like uh, zuckerberg i remember he had a uh, about three or four years ago, he issued a sort of pamphlet message of how to make this into a global village, and and how uh, Facebook was going to be a key player in that. Uh, and it's like this is this is a, a frat kid from Harvard, who really doesn't have a whole lot of human experience, and nonetheless he feels because he is sitting on top of all the stock and the value and everything else uh, related to to Facebook. In uh, Bezos, I would accuse him of the same thing with Amazon. He doesn't care. It's just growth. It is dominance. It is growth. It is power. It is being the big dog. It is, uh, you know, being at the at the at the at the top of the pyramid. And I think, yeah, the money doesn't matter anymore. If you have 171 billion dollars, like Bezos or 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 Musk or or something along that line, if you have that a net worth of that. <laughs> Uh, you're, if you're chasing the money, then you ought to be put in an institution somewhere, because you know, you don't need it.
0: Are there any politicians that you know of working productively on what's going to happen to the people displaced by automation? No. 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 It's it's, it's just right right now. It's there, there's no there's no gain there.
1: No well well the thing they have is like Musk and Warren Buffett and and a number of others they've come out and said well we're going to have to have universal basic income. It's clear we're going to have to have that because there're going to be so many people out of work that that we that we have to do it. It's the only way we can survive. And then you say and I know Larry Summers from the Harvard from Harvard and former treasury and the like. He when he looked at that plan, he said, "My god, you know, if we even if we ever did that, and we put uh, gave them t- people twenty five thousand dollars a year eligible for it. Well, you really figure out how many people you have to do. It the the reality is that that version of a plan to make any difference would have to co- require more expenditure annually than the U.S. Uh, U.S. G- G.M.P. Or, or the tax revenues, not know the GNP, but the but the tax revenues that the U.S. collects, and then that leads to the idea: if you're really going to do it, then you have to keep charging higher and higher and higher in taxes. Uh, but as I said, you know the reality is that the as you do that, you can't sustain a consumer-based system on when you flatten everybody into one low uh, level of income and resources, because you know you you will make a uh, a very strange looking uh, everybody can buy a a cot you know at a reasonable price and sleep on it or something like that but uh it's they don't even think about most of the people they say these things but they don't think about the real cost human they don't think about the human cost they don't think about the psychological cost they don't think about uh, the depression cost they don't think about the tax costs. they don't, all of it it's it's an insane system.
0: So so I, I've got a 15 year old son. What do I tell him to do?
1: <sighs> um, I have a 19 year old grandson, and I told him to do to, and he has worked plumbing, plumbing. No, that kind of thing, trades. On that, you look at things that that are are either something they're not going to develop, uh, and and I told. Actually, I told my grandson, Josh, I said electrical repair stuff, that kind of thing. Um, but you you, do th- you look at things that are not going to be either profitable on, on an issue of economy of scale to send a lot of individualized robotics things around to, to, to do it, or just no point in it. Okay. Uh, they may do the big manufacturing company facility things or something like that, but they're not going to do the housing part the, you know the the low level stuff. And so if you want that trades trades and ha- having an actual skill uh rather than just you know knowing how to bs uh is is going to be very important. I mean which which means you 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 have an academic uh perspective and background too and I'm saying you know the universities are you know they're they're running scared uh the population's declining, the number of applicants are declining. Plus, they have a lot of their the courses they teach have nothing to do with uh, with what anybody's going to need anymore. If they are, you know, and some of them never did. But
0: and as as you as you say, the, the professions are going to. I mean, it's not just truck drivers. It is the professions that are succumbing to automation. So, I mean, you talk about medical care is is being more and more automated, uh, you know, law, uh, accounting. More and more automation there. So, did, sh- should should you go to college and and, and run up a uh, hundred and fifty thousand dollars in college debt?
1: not without a whole lot of advance. Uh, I'm still paying off some of my kids' educational debt, <laughs> but and the they're paying off their graduate educational debt. I gave them the uh, you know the undergraduate, but uh, the answer is we say they shouldn't go to college right after high school. Uh, they, they have to have some experience and try to figure out and be, be able to look at the system um, as as it is what is likely to work. With, and there has to be a lot more work done on, on what are future jobs. Because take, for example, um, a lot of people would say, well, go into medical care, go into home care, go into assisted living care, go into that. And so that's supposed to be a massive uh, job, safe job thing in the future but in china and japan and a little bit in the us they're already shifting a lot of those positions to robo- to robots and so the, and as that develops and as the technology develops those robots and when we when we talk about robots well, that's why I, I, I often say ai artificial intelligence intelligence slash robotics because the reality is it's not just the machine it is the thing that drives the machine and guides the machine and helps design the machine. Uh, and that is the, the uh, informational systems and the applications that go into that. And those are developing so, so much faster than people were predicting was going to happen even a couple of years ago. And, and so nobody can be sure about where this is going, except for the fact that, that we don't seem to be able to control it. Everybody in that industry, for example, the people who do robotics work, whether they're in universities or companies or or the like, they are insulted by the idea that that the things that they're generating could produce negative negative consequences. They're blind to it because they're making either a fortune or their reputation is based upon it. Uh, they get grants for it, huge amounts of money for it from businesses, there's, and there's a tight relationship now that has developed between university research labs in these areas um, and, and big big corporations, because you know that's a relatively cheap way for them to get cutting edge stuff. So I mean, it's it is a frightening thing for this society. I mean this. What else can I say? It's a contagion, Mark.
0: The book is The Artificial Intelligence Contagion. Can Democracy Withstand the Imminent Transformation of Work, Wealth, and the Social Order? David Barnheiser, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Mark. I enjoyed it very much.
0: And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.